Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast, week five preview show turned into crazy uh, new quarterback podcast. I'm Josh Taylor, joined by Brian Murphy as always. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's blow-the-belt grooming. You can save 20% off and get free shipping on all your Manscaped products by using code BNP20. As you can tell, Brian uh, has not used his with his beard in full force. No shave November's coming up. He's going (laughs) to ride out October, I'm guessing. I can't grow anything. Uh, but this episode, we are joined by the one and only Pete Haley of ABC Sports Washington to break down all the crazy that's been going on and then take a look at this Rams matchup. So, Pete, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you coming on, man. I very much appreciate the invite. And, Brian, I like your Disney princess shirt. It's a very nice touch and has cheered me up a little bit here. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was from the Disney princess half marathon that I ran uh in February, which feels like years ago, but thank you. I appreciate that. Cinderella. And uh, Josh, I'm sorry you can't grow any facial hair, but maybe when you grow up, we can we can get that done for you. How old would you say I am? This is a this is a good question. How old do I look? This is fun because I play this game with people for me. So for you, uh oh, Brian, like Brian could be 24 or he could be 45. I know <laughs> he's either an uncle like or a new dad. I'd say you are 25. Okay, I'm 27. I get I did this at work yesterday, and I got 20 and 21 so much it made me mad. But 27, I know it's if I can grow something, I will. Pete, Brian, Brian, how old are you, by the way? I am 29. Okay, good. Yeah. We all know each other's ages. I'm 26, so good. Okay, a couple, okay. three people in their mid 20s talking football. It's a just, good time here. Just three right. amigos living, thriving in their 20s. So, <laughs> so Pete, I want to jump right into it. Um. Listen to y'all's episode, obviously, with the whole uh, Haskins bench coming on. I want to break out a cheesy pie chart right away, because why not? So, if you had to base bench the benching of Haskins on three things percentage-wise, I'm going to say Haskins' performance, the pressure to win by the players in the front office, and then the NFC East just sucking all season. How would you break those three things up into the reason why you benched Dwayne Haskins? And I know you didn't agree with it, but... I'm going to say half of that pie chart is because of the NFC East. And Ron said in his presser, he admitted if someone was 3-1 and one or 4-0, and oh, like the Giants or the Cowboys or the Eagles, this wouldn't be happening. He would be more patient. So I think he had this plan all offseason about patience and building. And then he looked around after a month looked at his one and three record and say, we're actually in this race. I need to adjust how I'm handling it. So I think that's the biggest reason. I think Haskins's performance is probably 35%. Um, and I know his game against Baltimore was his best statistical game in the NFL. And after what he did in Cleveland, it was a nice bounce back. But I, I do think the issues with the fourth and goal, throwing it short and the 18 yard sack he took beforehand, like that stuff, I think bothered Ron just as much as what he did in Cleveland. Like that is basic quarterbacking, and he did not handle those situations well. So, stat-wise against Cleveland, he was a disaster. And then maybe mentally, he was kind of a he kind of came up short against the Ravens. So those were two things, two strikes for Ron's uh, judgment of him. 
and then 15%, if I'm doing the math right, on the pressure win from the front officer players. And I think that's mostly coming from the players. I think Ron, you know, as he mentioned with the guys getting frustrated, I'm sure he realized that he couldn't necessarily sell veterans on letting this young quarterback figure his way out when they need to take care of business every single week. Um, I don't know if the front office is necessarily giving him a ton of pressure because they brought Ron in and gave him all this power and said, this is you. So that's my breakdown. 50, 35, 15. I like it. And like you said, you know, he, he is on a five-year deal. So, you know, one thing that we've seen is Dan has pretty much said, this is your team, Ron. We trust you. Run it how you want to. Um, but I want to know, in your personal opinion, did you ever get any kind of sense that the players were unhappy about Haskins' performance? Or was it just the overall, like he said, we've been losing the last 10 years, and they're just kind of sick of it? What? How would you kind of lay it out? Do you think it's just that, or...? It's hard to answer how unhappy they were. Like, if we were in the locker room like we normally would be, we could probably bounce around and and talk to guys and get more of a feel for what their heads are at. But, I mean, for someone like Terry McLaurin, who's having to dive for a pass in the end zone where he's wide open and then get up and go back to the huddle and just kind of shake his head and be like, I I did my job, why aren't you doing yours? I'm sure that wore on some guys. And and the defense, imagine being on that defense in Cleveland where, sure, you weren't playing – uh, like the 85 Bears, but you're you're getting stops early on. You're containing their run game. You're you're doing your duties, but then every seven minutes you're getting off the bench and having to stop an offense when they're taking the ball on your own 35. Like that's going to wear on people like Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat who are doing everything they can to win, and the offense isn't holding up their end of the bargain. So, and the Ron thing where he said like it's 10 years of losing that was interesting to me because. For 85% of this roster, they've lost for a year or two. They haven't been losing for 10 years, and Ron just got here. But I understand that. Like, you don't want the franchise to continue to sink, and maybe that was some pressure from above. So I'm sure the guys are frustrated. I'm sure starting off 1-0 and then losing three straight is not fun. Um, but, again, I just think it's hard to sell an entire roster and waiting for one guy to just find his way when the rest of the roster can't find their way. They need to know their way, and they know, need to know – that they are going to be able to play in this league in future years. Because a bad record, that stink lingers on everybody, no matter who is on the field, who is on the bench. That affects everybody, including coaches. True. Yeah, so, so help me. Like, I'm just kind of confused by it, though. Like, if Dwayne Haskins was your guy, if you really thought he was better, why Kyle Allen now? Like, what, what did Kyle Allen not show you that he's showing you now? Or is it strictly because they felt like they had to give the first round pick a chance. Like, I'm just kind of confused. Why now? And I get, I get winning the division. I guess it's up in the air, but just why not start Kyle Allen from the start? The now thing is um, something I've kind of wrestled with, but I think that my now thing is why wouldn't you give Dwayne more time? But again, we talked about the division. That's why um, they never really got the chance to have that straight up quarterback battle. And Ron talked about that in the off season. Like, if there was a competition, then maybe things would have played out differently. But he had to make a decision in August. Like, there's only so many reps here. We didn't have anything before this. I need to just choose one quarterback, and he's going to give the chance to the first-round quarterback that he probably had to say he was going to give that chance to when he interviewed for the job. So Kyle Allen may have been able to beat out Dwayne, but I don't think that competition ever really began. Um, and Ron said, hey, look, Dan Snyder, this is the guy you picked. You gave me this job. You've been calling me since I got fired from the Panthers. I'm going to do you solid and really try. And then, luckily, and I think this is a promising side of this, I still disagree with the decision, but Ron was able to go to Dan and say, I'm benching the person that you like so much. And Dan said, sure, Ron, go do it. So that's one bright side. Um, 
But the why now, I'm not necessarily um, wondering why they didn't start Kyle right away because it, it was always going to be Dwayne to begin. I'm I'm just wondering why couldn't they have given him three or four more weeks. I agree. And I think that that jumps kind of in. You're saying, like, they didn't have a chance for an offseason, all that kind of stuff. I think you guys talked about it, but I thought Torrey Smith's tweet was really good. It just felt like the perfect storm. New new regime, new offense. You can compete right now. QB2 kind of knows the offense. Is that kind of – does that sum it up, or is there more there? Is there more with Haskins' attitude, or is that really – is that it? Yeah, I mean, you guys – I don't know if you saw or your listeners have saw or read by now, but Les Carpenter for the, from the Post put out a story about how Dwayne worked so hard in the offseason to earn the starting job. And in the past month or so, that has kind of been on the decline. He hasn't applied himself. He's gotten into some bad habits. He hasn't prepared the way he should. Even in warm-ups, there's a part of that story that Les wrote where they are saying that they noticed that Dwayne was kind of lagging in warm-ups and Kyle Allen was going at it on 120%, like the backup should but Dwayne wasn't holding up his end of the bargain. So all those reasons, the offseason and, and the division, those are really important, but it was disappointing to read that apparently Dwayne also just kind of ran through the finish line of earning the starting job and then kind of just eased up and didn't continue to go through other finish lines of winning and holding that job. So I definitely think that was clearly a part. I mean, you're not going to – I think he earned Ron's respect with what he did before the season, but it sounds like he lost it to a certain extent since. So I actually talked to uh, Dan Orlovsky yesterday on Twitter, um, and he said the same thing. You know, not only you know, hold on, big deal. Did you tweet at him or did you? Dude, DM yeah, him? he I tweeted me back. I was like, what? But anyway, <laughs> you know, you know, I do this. Um, so he said that you know, not only just benching him, but moving him to third string and taking no snaps the next day at practice. Like, there's got to be more to it. So, what do you think? Was that kind of like a power move? Because I know he he threw some passes and stuff today. I mean, to me, it kind of felt like a urine timeout kind of thing. It had that vibe of, like, you know, you're behind Steven Montez taking reps. What do you think was, you know, the, the main reason for that? I just think if you're having this giant pressure about all the things Dwayne hasn't done and he's making these repeat mistakes and he hasn't grasped the offense the way he wanted to, you can't put him number two where he's one snap away from going back in again. I mean, they're not destroying Dwayne by any means, but they are kind of hinting it that he has so many things he needs to clean up so let's put him all the way at the back of the line let him really reset and i don't know if it was a power move but it certainly sends a message and it it seems like they want to send a message to that guy and how he's handled this so far we saw him for 20 minutes of practice on wednesday and he he had his arms crossed and looked pretty salty and i get he should be salty as a competitor but that's not going to get him from number three to number two and number two to number one and of course we can't ignore alex smith i mean one of the main reasons they did this too, or at least they told us, is because of Kyle Allen's familiarity of the offense, and they applied that to Alex too. He hasn't been in this exact offense, but he's played 15-plus seasons. He knows what an NFL playbook looks like, so that makes Alex the ideal second option. They're putting Dwayne on ice. They don't trust him, obviously, to win games, and they probably want him to really evaluate everything that's around him, and you can't do that when you're active and one uh, stubbed toe away from going back in this Sunday. No, I agree with that. Now, one thing I do have to say, because this is something I got tweeted at a lot, um, and you know about this, with Ron saying, you know, we all go into the season with this expectation saying, all right, this is the developmental year for Hastings. He's finally got a head coach who backs him, who says, you know, we're going to see what we've got in, you know, our 15th overall pick. And then he kind of goes back, and y'all talked about this on y'all's podcast, saying, you know, 
uh, well, this is winnable, so I kind of just want to go with, you know, Kyle Allen. It's always been, you know, an idea since the beginning of the season. If that's the case, like, are you kind of regretting not signing Cam Newton at this point? I mean, I know we can say it's easy to say now that he's balling in New England, but kind of looking back at it, for as cheap as he is, you gave up a fifth-round pick for Kyle Allen. Are you kind of going back and saying, you know, we should have at least gave him a shot? Yeah, I'm whether it's Cam or it's Tua, like, that was a that was definitely something that jumped out from the pressers that he said as soon as the schedule came out, he was looking at, all right, we have these four games here. If we go two and two, this can happen. And then the next set, like, he said all the right things about wanting to give Dwayne a chance. But looking back now, I mean, how how he never really got a full chance, and that's fine. Maybe he screwed up. Maybe he didn't take it seriously. But if you were never really believing what you were saying, then Cam should have been a, a consideration uh, Tua should have been in consideration. Any other free agent, somebody in the second or third round, I mean, it was, it, looking back now, clearly they didn't fully, uh, in, they were endorsing Haskins publicly, but deep down they knew that they might have to pull the plug quickly, and they certainly did. I mean, the plug got yanked out of the wall, and it's. I think it's completely fair to now look back on those decisions. Everybody says hindsight's twenty twenty. Every old person will tell you that all the time. I'm tired of hearing it. But in this situation, I think it's totally fine to put on your hindsight glasses and say, what were you thinking? If you were so willing to get rid of Dwayne after a month, why weren't you as willing to get Cam Newton here and just try and win now from the start? Yeah. So so talking about the future, I mean, we still got 12 games left. If you had to break this down, who are you thinking starts these 12 games? I mean, is there a chance that Alex Smith makes more starts this season than Dwayne Haskins? I mean, does Kyle Allen take it the rest of the way? What are, what are you thinking? What are you predicting? I'll look into my uh, my crystal ball here, and I will say, like, I think Kyle can help early. I think he can have the uh, – you bring a guy off the bench and he jolts you for two, three, four games, but I think eventually he's going to revert to Kyle Allen that we saw for the majority of the year in Carolina. I mean, I just watched the clip you guys tweeted from your account where he – like, we gave Dwayne a lot of stuff for the 18-yard sack he took at the in the Baltimore game, the sack Kyle Allen took against Washington last year, where he was running 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, yeah. that's awful. And I unfortunately think that's what he is. He's kind of erratic. He's an undrafted guy. He's still learning too. So I think Kyle can give them a month or so. I think Alex is definitely going to play at some point. And then I, you know, if this goes poorly, which I'm still expecting it to, um, say they're three and eleven with two games left, and Alex has played three or four games, I wouldn't be shocked to see Haskins out there again and we just start this whole thing all over. Um, so I think, I mean, it'll be close if you want to do a leaderboard of who's going to start the most games. Dwayne's got four. I'm going to say he gets two at the end. That gets you to six. And then Allen and Smith each get around five. And it's just going to be a what mess. What about Montez? Huh. <laughs> I think Montez Sweat has a better chance of starting a quarterback <laughs> than Steven Montez. If Steven Montez is starting, I'll probably turn in my credentials and like go try and work at a driving range i don't want to cover steven montez football Top so we've seen a lot of that quarterbacks i do not want to see steven montez i'm sorry steven if you're listening that's all good <laughs> um I, to, to me personally i just i don't feel comfortable seeing alex smith on the field like i as a fan i'm like yes i want like this comeback story but as a human i'm like no please like kyle just play well enough to keep alex smith off the field because i don't want something else to happen to him uh brian what do you think about alex go ahead Sorry to interrupt you on your own podcast, but that's completely fair to feel that way. I'm nervous too, but you have to remember, like, Alex's injury, if they – it was a broken leg. And if 
the sock didn't have whatever germs on it or bacteria. And if the surgeons, there wasn't bacteria there, like all the infection and stuff wouldn't have happened and it would have just been a, a bad broken leg. So from the doctor's point of view, I guess they're just saying, look, the, all the stuff that happened after the broken leg was a one in one million shot. But in terms of his leg itself, it's healed. It's fine. We put a rod in like it's okay. So that's what I'm trying to remind myself is yeah. the, this, where this got complicated was after the injury. The injury itself happens a couple times every month on an NFL field. Brian, you can continue. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and I, I, I trust the doctors. I don't think they're going to put a guy out there with, uh, you know, a, a peg leg to go play an NFL game. I just don't think they're going to do that. So I trust in them. And that kind of brings me to another point. I, I trust in Ron Rivera. So that's why I'm not like up too overly upset over the Dwayne Haskins thing I'm kind of kind of curious about it but I'm curious Pete have you um have you soured at all on Ron Rivera because of any of this uh, you know uh, considering all the stuff he's had to go through but just from strictly on the field stuff have you kind of soured a little bit on him is there any of that it's third and long the quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score let's see what he does he drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. If he would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0, there is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt the result will be a touchdown. I wouldn't say I've soured. I mean, he's been here for a month. I love his entire mindset. I love how he's guiding this franchise. I love everything from the people he's brought in from the front office to the things he says in pressers. And there have been some issues. The timeout stuff has always kind of confused me. Yeah. And the timing of this move also perplexes me. But there's a, there's a decent chance that Dwayne is not the answer. And maybe Ron just figured that out and took the shortcut instead of dragging it out longer. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, so no, I don't think I've soured. I think if you gave me one of those workplace surveys with the five boxes, strongly agree, agree, neutral, disagree, strongly disagree. Like most of Ron's stuff, I've been on the agree to strongly agree. There's been a couple in the disagree, but overall I'm still trusting him too, that he's the right voice for this franchise and that he's going to get them at least respectability. And then anything beyond that is, is tough to predict just because of how dysfunctional they've been, but, um, not souring at all. That would say. All right, so I have two quick questions that I got sent on Twitter, um, and then we'll talk about the Rams briefly and uh, send you on the way to get a new canteen that doesn't have a yellow M on it. Um, <laughs> first off, uh, at Austin Carr 10 uh, pretty much said, 
Um, if we're trying to win the division, why are we not calling timeouts? And I'll even add to that. Do you think that was any kind of, um, not a setup, but did that lead to any kind of like way that Haskins not being able to succeed or he just saw enough of what he got out of Haskins and didn't like it? Austin, thank you for the question. Um, I don't think it's a setup. I like the conspiracy theories. I see all that stuff on Twitter, too. I don't think they're setting up. That's incredibly sinister, and I'm not sure Ron's sitting there on the sideline like, oh, if I don't call a timeout here, then Dwayne will suffer, and then next week this will happen, and then by week four I can put in Kyle Allen. That seems far-fetched for me. Um, but if we're trying to win a division, why aren't we calling more timeouts? That's definitely valid. I guess in week two in Arizona, he was not calling timeouts to avoid injuries. And at that point, it was they were one and one. He didn't know that the division was going to be so crappy even two weeks later. Um, and then the Browns, <laughs> that one was, seemed a little more egregious because there was more time and the offense was at least moving the ball. So Ron has stuck to the I'm trying to avoid injuries stance. I don't know if I buy it, but that's what he's doing. And Austin when you're kind of wondering why some moves indicate a win now and some moves indicate a win later, I'm kind of there with you. Um, I don't have a great answer for you. Ron says the injuries. I don't think that's the best excuse to just let the clock run out. If, if you're worried about players getting pissed about your quarterback playing poorly, I'm not sure how they're going to receive you just not taking timeouts. But he's in that locker room. He has a feel for them. He says, I'm doing it my way, and I will be responsible. And at least he has a line of reasoning. I'll give him that much. I like that response with the uh, if players are mad at losing, then why don't you try to win? Um, <laughs> so another one, uh, at G underscore running, one of my favorite guys. He's always got something to say. Um, he said, do you think that Allen gives the coaching staff a better look at the team as a whole? Which I think is interesting because do you think you can kind of evaluate the offense more now that I feel like the playbook's going to open up more? That's something I tweeted from my personal account with Kyle Allen in. Plot twist, I think the offense gets slightly better because they're able to open up the playbook more. So do you think Kyle Allen kind of shows you more of what you got? Yeah, Scott Turner didn't say we're going to open up the playbook more. He didn't say we were limited with Dwayne, but I'm sure he's he's going to open up the playbook a little more and peel back some pages he hadn't used yet. And it's understandable. I mean, he's he's been in that system. He know, he's, has more familiarity. It's, it's point blank obvious. It's not anything against Dwayne. He just hasn't had the same amount of time to study it. So... I think it does make the offense easier to evaluate. Scott said that if they see a look on Sunday against L.A., for example, that Dwayne never did, Kyle will at least maybe have something to refer back to when he played in 2019 or 2018. He's going to have more context for all these things. So I think the O-line will be evaluated better. I think Antonio Gibson's going to get more targets out of the backfield as they try to make him like McCaffrey light. I think McLaurin is going to get more looks. I think the Titans, I think it will help evaluate everyone because you have a quarterback who... He may throw a ton of picks and be bad too, but operational-wise, he is going to be a little steadier, and that, in turn, will lift up everybody else at least a little. I'm not saying they're going to put up 30 every week, but there is at least fewer things they have to worry about. They don't have to worry about every single check because Kyle knows more. They don't have to worry about, can Kyle run this play because he's just going to have a wider uh, base of knowledge. Yeah, uh, I like what uh, Ron said about how uh... – They'll both get a fair shake at it with the the weapons around him. I thought that was kind of telling that maybe we'll see that there is a little bit more on this offense than than we thought. Thought that yeah. was interesting. Absolutely. All right. So we're, the Rams are going for the NFC East sweep uh, this week. They they beat the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants in a really sloppy game. Um, so first game for Kyle Allen. My biggest question is looking at these injuries. 
I gotta ask you, how does Terry, Inman, and Sims look on offense? Uh, is is Kyle gonna have all of his weapons come Sunday? Terry was not there Wednesday. Back on Thursday, that's the promising. Sleeves. You want him Loved going it. that direction instead of the other direction. So I think Terry's maybe one of those guys who is maybe gonna be a little dinged up here and there, but come game day, you can rely on him. Don Trillman is hilarious. We ask him whenever we get him in Zoom, are you going to play this Sunday? He goes, are you going to pay my fine if I tell you? I feel fine. I feel great. Like, he gives us nothing. But I think Inman's good to go. Sims is a bit of a mystery. Um, I'm disappointed he hasn't done as much as I thought he would. I wrote an article saying he's going to be an absolute stud. I'd maybe look like an idiot for that, considering he's had, like, six touches this year. But I don't know about Sims, so maybe look for Isaiah Wright to kind of continue to take over that role. But as long as you have McLaurin, that's the key. Uh, I am curious to see whether Allen and Logan Thomas connect as much as Haskins because Haskins went to Logan a ton. So we'll see if Allen also relies on the tight end. Can I ask a question on that Inman thing? What? Why would he get fined if he says, I'm feeling fine and then doesn't play? So I think it's it may not be like an NFL fine. It might be a team fine. Like, why are you telling reporters your, your status? Like, yeah. Ron, when we ask Ron about injuries – it's like you're asking Ron for his credit card number like, or the, the garage code to his house. Like He is like, we asked him if Chase Young, how he looked today. He goes, Chase is fine. He's getting better, and I'll let you know more later. Like He doesn't tell you anything. While Jay one time told us that a dude severed his toe, and he meant to say severely injured it or something. But Jay would tell you whatever you wanted. Jay would tell you what type of player's <laughs> doctor appointment was. Like, hey, Jay, how's what did uh, – Alex Smith had for lunch today. Oh, he had uh, peanut butter and sandwich, and then he went to his appointment, and he felt great, and here's what the doctor said. I'll show you an x-ray. You guys want to, like, I'll print out copies. Like, Jay was very forthcoming. Ron was not. So yeah. I think that's what Edmund was saying is, like, Coach may not like me sharing this with you, so I'm going to keep it to myself. Gotcha. What What about Chase Young? I think he practiced today. Is yeah, that right? There. He did individuals. Um, we only get to see individuals, but that was the first time he was out there since uh, the injury in Cleveland. And it never seemed like that was too severe of an injury. And I kind of got the uh, thought that if, you know, you no one's going to admit that they weren't going to be Baltimore, but if you can rest Chase Young and prevent him from scrambling around to get Lamar, um, that game was probably going to be a loss anyway. So let's let him rest up and have him do these next four or five games that are more winnable with some more typical pocket passers. So I like the chances that Terry – I love the chances that Terry plays, love the chances Dontrell plays. And as of Thursday at 828, I like the chances that Chase plays. Right. Sims is questionable. He's the big mystery. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I hate to say it. They haven't – it's not like they're desperate for him to return. They haven't really done much. Wright looked good Sunday. I mean, he made a big defensive play, but I, I think he's one of those guys that can come in and be one of those offensive weapons. Um, we see what Gibson's doing. So, like you said, with Terry being banged up, I mean, if he's banged up this week, he had a phenomenal game last week. Going against Jalen Ramsey – um, what are you looking forward to outside of that matchup? What do you think is the key matchup outside of Terry versus Jalen, which is what most everybody's talking about? Yeah, I'm going to be boring and obvious and say if uh-huh. they don't block Aaron Donald up the middle, none of this ever matters. Like, I mean, it's going to be is, is he good? Schweitzer? Apparently, like, Schweitzer, um, if you want O-line talk, I'm not the ideal guest. Maybe we'll DM your boy Orlovsky again or something. But uh, <laughs> That's like. Niche. Other reporters I've talked to have said that he's actually held up better than they expected. Um, but yeah, we can talk about Kyle Allen all day. It's not going to matter if Aaron Donalds was in his grill. So um, Jalen Ramsey, McLaurin, I love that. I love outside stuff. I like receivers versus corners. I'm endlessly uh, a fan of those. But 
they got to be careful there and Donald. And I'm not breaking any news here. This is not a, a big scoop. He can wreck all of this immediately. And who knows? So protect that interior. And hopefully Schweitzer's okay because he was not out there on Wednesday. Uh, or else Josh Garnett's going to have to play in t- inside too. And I'm sure Donald would love to see Josh Garnett. Or, yeah, Josh, or anybody. I'm sure Donald just loves to see anybody so he can just destroy them. Yeah, what do you do there? A lot of screens there to, to negate him, not even give him a chance? Or, I mean. Well, according to his numbers, no one in the NFL has really figured out how to negate him. So, true. if you come up, to come up with the answer in this uh, Skype call, that'd be pretty remarkable. But <laughs> it, it helps having Kyle be there. Like, yeah. Kyle will be able to identify the places he needs to go with the ball quicker and maybe negate Donald as best as possible. Yeah, no, you know Aaron Donald's licking his chops. Um, something I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. Something that's that we've kind of brought up is how comfortable are you paying Sheriff right now with West kind of you know playing well? I love the energy West brings. Most flexible big guy I've ever seen in my life. Um, my old boss actually worked for ESPN in Atlanta, and he kind of told me a little bit about him. He said he's just a, such an interesting guy. Um, so I, I've liked his little coming on party, but. Um, Going into L.A., we got the whole McVay. You know, do you think that at all sits with Ron saying, like, this guy used to be here. I want to beat this guy. No. I'm the new guy in town. No? No. <laughs> uh, I think Ron would want to beat Sean McVay or any other. I was trying to come up with a funny name, and I couldn't do it, so I'm sorry. But any other coach on the sideline, Mon Shikvay, any of those guys. <laughs> Ron doesn't care about that. Um, and Sean said on his conference call, like, he doesn't even really care. He said there are more beat reporters from his time in Washington than players that. on the roster. So this doesn't matter on either side. I like Sean McVay, and it'll be cool to watch him try and beat Washington. And he's, I still think he's pretty damn brilliant, even though maybe the shines wore off a little bit. But the McVay coming home, that storyline is a negative 4 out of 10. Sorry. No, that's fine. So with, with Kyle <laughs> Allen, to me, I think this – I think – this game is more of like a, not really a preseason game, but the warm-up game heading into that stretch of NFC East games. What would you call a successful game for Kyle Allen? You know, win or loss, doesn't matter. But stats-wise, what do you think Ron's looking for uh, with Kyle? I like that point. Like, some people are saying, why wouldn't you give Dwayne the chance to beat the Giants? But, like, Dwayne's kind of teetering on the edge. Why would you risk losing that, even though the Giants look really bad? Yeah. You want to have the guy that you, you trust in place for that. So... They're getting Kyle out there. I don't know if they're viewing this preseason game. Like, Ron, I asked him today, how much of a, of a stint does Kyle get? And he says he's going to get a week-by-week evaluation. So Kyle needs to hit the ground running. And I'm going to judge it off of what they judged Dwayne off of. They didn't like Dwayne's turnovers. They didn't like that Dwayne repeated mistakes. And they didn't like that Dwayne missed opportunities down the field. So you can put stats on what Kyle should do. And, of course, a win is the ultimate barometer here. But... If Kyle leaves the game with a clean sheet, fumble-wise and turnover-wise, and hits on a couple deep balls, because we haven't seen any of those yet, and doesn't um, take a sack on one drive and then come out and take a same sack against the same look, like those seem to be the things that were driving Scott Turner crazy, especially like Scott Turner. I don't can't grade coordinators uh, like perfectly, but I think his play calling's gotten better. And I'm sure there are a lot of plays he feels great about, and then calls them and watch Dwayne not run, and I'm sure that drove him absolutely nuts so i think if kyle can run scott's offense better you're going to see a much tighter operation and that will be a success for him speaking of this next stretch of games going into the rams and then three straight division games i mean it's hard to predict week to week in the nfl as we're learning this week we thought Dwayne haskins was going to be the starter going into this rams game just a few days ago but 
What do you see happening? Do you see Washington being in this NFC East race at the end of those this four-game stretch, or are they out completely? Are they barely hanging on? Where do you see them after this four-game stretch here? I think after this four-game stretch, they'll be in it. I'm just not sure if they'll be in it all the way to the to the end here because I know Dallas's defense is like a just a forest fire and they can't stop anybody and they give up 40 like it's nothing but they have so much more talent than Washington does and I think they'll figure it out at some point and when they do they'll pull away but if you're playing the Giants twice and I think Washington has a decent chance of beating the Rams on Sunday like uh you mentioned earlier in the pod the only teams they've beaten are the NFC East which is the worst division to ever suit up in a professional sport we've ever seen so I don't know if the Rams are exactly a, a top threat. So I think Washington can win this. I think they can beat the Giants both times. Maybe they can see one against the Cowboys and at least kind of stay in the mix for a month, but stay in the mix for the next three months. I'm just not going to buy it because I like, I just don't think Kyle Allen or Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins can do enough to make sure this group is seven, nine, eight, and eight come December. Yeah, one thing I have noticed is the the Rams are so weird to evaluate because I feel like I've seen two different teams playing. You know, they play the Bills so close or having a great season, obviously, and then just choke at the end to them. What kind of Rams team are you expecting? Are they kind of, you know, looking at this like, oh, they have Kyle Allen and a bunch of other key guys are banged up. This is going to be a cakewalk. Not really stressing it. Or what do you expect uh, for them to come out as? Yeah, I bet I bet Sean has them pretty focused and i just called him sean like we're buddies sean mcveigh has my <laughs> i bet sean mcveigh has them pretty focused but uh they've traveled a lot uh back and forth already this year like yeah. and that trip i know people always make that point and sometimes i roll my eyes but a, a one o'clock game on sunday from the west to the coast to the east coast it's probably pretty difficult so i think washington has that in their favor and i think washington has the desperation factor they have the new quarterback factor like i expect them to really show up so the Rams better do so as well, because if not, I think they could definitely get nipped and, and lose this game and, and lose the right to sweep the NFC East, which I'm sure everybody dreams of doing when they grow up playing football as a little kid. Oh, yeah. So uh, what is – I'm not going to ask for a prediction, but what is the reaction? What are we talking about on Monday morning after this Rams game? I love that uh, inquiry there. Um <laughs> I think we're talking about, I think we're talking about, like, we're all kind of nodding our heads and like, okay, I see what Ron was thinking. Like, I think Kyle Allen comes out and the offense flows better. I think the defense benefits from not having to face Kyler or Lamar. They they, they uh, return to form a little bit. I think they keep it close. I'd probably lean towards a Rams win still, but I think regardless of win or loss, like, come Monday... After a really hectic week, we're going to feel a little more settled and be like, all right, I see what Ron meant. I see what Scott meant. This this makes sense. And But again, like I've said, come four Mondays from now, we might be like waiting for Alex at that point. But that's my, uh, my look ahead for what people will be discussing in a, a handful of hours. Yeah, I think the end of that second Giants game is really going to be like Kyle Allen's quote-unquote report card. We're saying yeah. like, this is what you presented to us. Yeah. We need to do it this time. This is what happened. This is what's going to go forward. Um, maybe we see Alex Smith. Uh, we we will soon find out. But, Pete, we'll let you go get back to uh, watching this awesome uh, football game tonight between the Bears and the Bucks. Appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime in the future. Thanks again, Pete. This was a really nice time. Thank you. I'll wear my Disney Princess shirt for the next episode. Yes. Uh, 
you guys are fun. Thanks for caring about what I say. I'm not sure everybody does, so I, I appreciate finding people who do. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.